optimal minimal. At this altitude, I can run flat out for a half mile before my hands start shaking. Can I ask you a personal question? Now what is it a perfect time? What if I did the opposite? I'm a cybernetic organism, living tissue over metal endoskeleton. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I get asked all the time what I would take if I could only take one supplement. The answer is invariably Athletic Greens. I view it as all-in-one nutritional insurance. I recommended it, in fact, in the four-hour body. This is more than 10 years ago, and I did not get paid to do so. With approximately 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, you'd be very hard-pressed to find a more nutrient-dense and comprehensive formula on the market. It has multivitamins, multimineral greens complex, probiotics and prebiotics for gut health, an immunity formula, digestive enzymes, adaptogens, and much more. I usually take it once or twice a day just to make sure I've covered my bases if I miss anything I'm not aware of. Of course, I focus on nutrient-dense meals to begin with. That's the basis. But Athletic Greens makes it easy to get a lot of nutrition when whole foods aren't readily available. From travel packets, I always have them in my bag when I'm zipping around. Right now, Athletic Greens is giving my audience a special offer on top of their all-in-one formula, which is a free vitamin D supplement and five free travel packs with your first subscription purchase. Many of us are deficient in vitamin D. I found that true for myself, which is usually produced in our bodies from sun exposure. So adding a vitamin D supplement to your daily routine is a great option for additional immune support. Support your immunity, gut health, and energy by visiting athleticgreens.com TFS. You'll receive up to a year's supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your subscription. Again, that's athleticgreens.com TFS, as in Tim Ferriss show. athleticgreens.com TFS. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome to another episode of The Tim Ferriss Show. This is a special episode with Kevin Rose Revisited. Kevin is a very close friend of mine. He now lives in New York. He is a well-known entrepreneur, venture capitalist. He's an advisor to Google Ventures, also now CEO of Hodinkee. He was formerly involved with Watchville and is now in the luxury goods market that is being disintermediated and disrupted with technology. Very interesting fellow. And we often do a video show together called The Random Show, or we used to when we lived in San Francisco together. But he's now in NYC. I am usually in SF. And we have not done many of these shows. So we decided to give audio a shot. And please let us know if you enjoy this. And here we go. The Random Show with Timbo and Kev Kev. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Tim Ferriss. And this is Kevin Rose. Welcome to a brand new edition of The Random Show. Happy 2016. Happy 2016. Happy New Year, man. It's yeah, going to be an exciting year. I can feel it in my, my, my bones, my old man bones. What did you bones. do? What did I do in, yeah. two, in 2016 so far? Oh, just like what did you do for New Year's? Like what was the – I want to know where you were, what you did. I decided to bring my parents and brother to the Bahamas because – 
they had last been 36 years ago when I was two years old and had always reminisced and spoke of the Bahamas fondly and pined after returning. And I just decided uh, or observed that none of us are getting any younger and decided to bring everybody here for Christmas and New Year's, which uh, I'm in a very fortunate position to be able to do, of course. But what what's I realized, because this is the second time I've taken my family on a trip for Christmas and New Year's, is that when you set plans, say, early in the year or even halfway through the year, you get at least six months of anticipation and talking about it and dreaming about it and brainstorming things you're going to do with your family. And it's at least half the benefit is just being able to put it in the calendar and have the benefit of that anticipation. It's kind of like as a kid looking forward to Christmas, but you just have to schedule your own Christmas. Uh, since generally as an adult, you're not you know, running down the stairs in your uh, PJs to tear things open. But that's what I did. What about yourself? Uh, I was uh, just here in New York, and it was pretty pretty relaxing. But for Christmas, I actually went out to Las Vegas, of all places. Uh, my family's based out there. So I had my wife's family and my family get together at um, at a resort, the Red Rock Casino out there. And we actually watched Star Wars and just kind of chilled and had some good food. And um, yeah, it was awesome. What, do you have any particular routine or ritual just before New Year's or on New Year's or after New Year's? Do you Definitely have New Year's. I mean, every year we talk about New Year's resolutions. I don't really stick to them, but I've I've definitely you know have that that ritual of of uh, the very next morning, like just starting things anew and trying to track uh, you know what it is I'm I'm trying to achieve this coming year. So I I did that this year as well. I've got another list of things you're not going to follow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although you know I have done you know me I've done a few things in the past like. For example, um, I haven't had a soda. This marks my 16th year without having soda, which is kind of no nuts. kidding. I didn't know that actually. 16. Wow, that's great. Yeah, it was just one of those things where it was New Year's 2000. Everyone was was telling and sitting around and talking about the resolutions, and I was like, you know, I've I've kind of wanted to give up soda. It's one of those things where it's just for me. It was um, it was something I would consume a couple times a day. You know, back then I would crack open a Dr. Pepper or a Coke or whatever, and I didn't do any of that that diet crap. I just went full full sugar, um, or I guess it would be full corn syrup. Yeah, which is even worse. Um, but you know, I was doing that, and then I just I had to get off of it. I was like, gosh, I, I got to start really watching my health, and and this was kind of the first step in that direction. Um, and so you know, I gave it up, and I weaned myself off initially. The first few months were extremely difficult, and I was able to do it by actually using a substitute. So for me, that was juice. And juice- <laughs> I was waiting for heroin or <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. It was crank and I just, uh, got really addicted. Uh, no, but seriously, I, um, I, I, I started doing juice and juice would give me that, that kind of sugar high that I was used to getting from soda. Um, still not uh, ideal. And, but then from there I was able to slowly kind of dilute my juice down uh, consume less sugar. I, it's listen. It's sugar addiction and soda addiction is a real thing. No, I, I was just imagining you, know, you with a T-shirt on that says "Dilute my juice." <laughs> you need to start a T-shirt company. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Billions. I do. I do. My buddies and I were uh, talking. We were just kind of pulling these weird combinations of words that came up in conversation after a few glasses of wine. There was another one called um, "Journeyman Paluka," and. Uh, 
the Palooka apparently I should look this up, but a Palooka I think is it, effectively it's like the Jimmy Jones of professional wrestling. Those guys with real human names who whose sole purpose is to get thrown around and destroyed by the guys who have the cool names like The Rock, right? And uh, so someone who's sort of continually here we go a mediocre or inferior boxer. That's it. A Palooka is a person, P-A-L-O-O-K-A, although there's U-K-A also, is the guy they bring into the training camp to make the champ feel good when he's training. So he just gets to like body shot them and knock them down. Right, totally. <laughs> That's a palooka. So someone who is basically forever a career palooka is a journeyman palooka. But not sure how we got onto that. There's well, you're uh, going to create a t-shirt out of that. Yeah, you know, I've been thinking about doing t-shirts for a while. And I've chatted with the guys at uh, Teespring, for instance, who are fantastic. And I don't know why I haven't pulled the trigger. It's one of those things that I need to review. And, and what I was going to say is for the last four or five years, the habit that I've gotten into before setting any type of resolutions is to do a complete review of the previous year. So I go through a couple of different things. I, I look over quotes that I've collected, for instance. I look mm-hmm. over, I go through my entire iCal or calendar week by week, and I note down, basically do an 80-20 analysis of my emotions, the the emotional extremes. So the things I loved and the things I hated, and I make a list of the things that I loved and the things that I hated and don't want to spend more time, energy, resources on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I review two other journals, the five-minute journal, which people have heard me talk about, and then the morning pages. And I go through and I figure things out or try to identify things like why haven't I followed certain resolutions and followed others, right? So uh, I realized if I looked back at, say, my resolutions for 2013 or 2014, I had no more startups, right? And I also had no, mm-hmm. no more interviews. Now, the startups... I You were serious about this. Was, is, when you say startups, you mean starting a startup or you were actually talking about investing in startups? That's that right? right. That's right. I was, I was talking about no more investing in new startups. And... I was able to pull the trigger on that this last year, 2015, and wrote uh, a long post on all of my reasons for taking a startup vacation, but why, in broader terms, it's important to say no and how to go about doing it. And uh, But then you look at like no interviews, right? No media interviews. I haven't been able to stick with that. And so I'll sit down and I'll try to figure out, I know this isn't generally pleasurable for me. I know it can backfire when you get misquoted. Why do I continue to do media interviews? Right? Yeah, but it's important for your relevance, though. You know that. But I don't, I'm not convinced that it is at this point because I've spent so much energy putting out 600-plus blog posts and writing and putting out the podcasts and so on. I feel like for me to justify spending an hour on the phone with someone when they're going to pull out one or two quotes, probably misquote me, and put, slide it into No doubt. you got to pick your poison, article. right? It's like... I have to ask myself if if that time would not be better spent doing something either I enjoy, which doesn't have to be productive, right? Like binge watching Archer, which I've been doing while on the island. Uh, it's so fantastic. Oh my god! And then, uh, or doing something like working on my own content, right? Because right. I feel like I get a, a better ROI. So that's the type of review that I've been doing. Uh, and uh, the only other habit aside as i'm reviewing uh, i'll also make a list 
based on the things that I loved in the last year or other ideas of the fun stuff to schedule. Because what I've realized about myself, and I think this is true for a lot of people, is that if they don't pre-schedule the fun stuff, uh, like week-long trips to ABC, pack trips, whatever it might be, and I have a list of stuff for 2016 that I'd like to do, uh, the work or other friv- or, or some type of frivolous bullshit like just sitting on social media will swell to fill the void, right? It'll expand mm-hmm. to fill that space. So that's that's sort of where I'm going. What are do you have anything in particular that you want to do? Not just resolutions, because we, we're going to talk about that, like behaviors, but any new types of trips or experiences? You know, a lot of that was a lot of that was this last year. Um, you know. We at some point, Daria and I are gonna. Uh, my wife and I, Daria, are gonna have kids. And, you know, we've talked about this, Tim. And like, I think that you kind of want to prepare for that and get a lot of these experiences uh, and things that you want to do um, while while you're still young and kidless, kind of out of the way. So I, I've spent a, a lot of time um, trying to knock out uh, that list travel wise. So, you know, anytime I can do something for work travel-wise, I tend to tack on a couple extra days so that Daria can go along with and so that we can have, you know, fun together as a couple. So, for example, in a couple of weeks, um, I'm heading off to Geneva, Switzerland um, for uh, a conference that I need to attend. Um, I'll be there for three days, and then, you know, we're going three days early so we get a weekend time and then just kind of, like, make that a thing, make that a mini vacation, you know? Mm -hmm. And then honestly, um, one of the things that I I did for the first time this last year that I I will uh, do again this year is take a few days. And typically I do this with a holiday weekend where you have um, already baked in three days off and add on a couple days on top of that. um, You can get a full week and do a staycation where you just stay at home and really focus on the stuff that you really, really want to do, but never actually have time to do. I'm not talking about chores, but more just like personal improvement stuff or things that you just, you know, it, every single week, it just, it gets pushed to the next week. You know, what are those things so, for you? Oh gosh, for me, it's around organization and, you know, little dumb things like cleaning off my desktop on my computer. That feels so good. You know, like <laughs> getting to inbox zero on one of my, on my, one of my personal accounts, you know, just little things that, um, getting into the sauna or starting something new. Like, you know, I'll talk about the Wim Hof method, which I know you've interviewed him on your, on your podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm now going into week four on that. And that was, that was something I started, um, during my staycation. So, uh, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I've, uh, I want to ask for some help from folks. So th- a couple of things on my list, seven to 10 day water only fast. I already did that, uh, which I'll hopefully have some reports on for folks. Uh, did you talk about that anywhere on any of your other podcasts? Or? No, I haven't really gone into detail. So I did a, a I mean, ten, we, 10 day water only fast. Yeah, we've both done fasting in the past. Uh, the most I've ever done is twenty four hour fasts. Uh, I did a juice fast of three days, just juice only. But I'm, I'm really curious. Like, uh, can you give us the the quick little rundown of why and and what it felt like? Yeah, the rundown of why is is easy. Uh, there's uh, quite a bit of data to suggest both. Sort of clinical you know, in the scientific literature and uh, just empirical from from friends of mine who do a lot of uh, work with with fasting. Some you know a lot of which is unpublished uh, at this point. But talking to people like Dominic D'Agostino, Dom D'Agostino, for anyone interested in fasting or uh, preventing cancer, ketogenic diet, that's the podcast to listen to. We cover everything. Uh, it, it it appears to be a very 
effective way to purge precancerous cells. So if you're old, if you're over the age of say 35 or, or 40, I think the, the number I've heard is something like 70% of people have cancerous cells that could become potentially problematic later, right? And uh, it's not so much a problem that you have mutations that have caused cancerous cells. It's when they grow out of control or become malignant or metastasize that you get yourself into trouble. So fasting, uh, at this point, my personal protocol is I'm trying to do one full day a week. Uh, intermittent fasting, I've been doing intermittent fasting for the last 14 days or so because there's a lot of the Bahamas are not known for being slow carb mm-hmm. or keto friendly. So I'm having rice for my evening meal, but uh, I'm fasting until about 12 or 1 p- 12 p.m. or 1 p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then eating in say a six hour, six to eight hour window. But the the protocol, if we're looking at strict fasting, not not the uh, just say 12 to 18 hour fast, I'm looking at 24 hours a week one three-day fast a month, and then one seven to 10-day fast per quarter. Now, I've, mm. I've actually only stuck to the longer fasts once every six months or so because mm. you do pay a productivity penalty. Um, you, you, the, the trick, if you're doing a longer fast like that, and you should never do it without medical supervision, um, I've realized there, there, there are some kind of ketoacidosis as a diabetic is not the only thing that you would have to worry about. There are other things that can go sideways. So you really want to ensure that you have medical supervision if you're doing a longer fast of any type. But um, the I'm going to have some, some data to share on this, but I really want to look through it all. Based on DEXA scans and bioimpedance and all sorts of stuff that I tracked, um, I didn't lose any muscle mass over uh, it was effectively a nine and a half day fast. And there are a bunch of tricks that you can use for that. But one of the most important aspects of threading that needle is getting into ketosis where your body's using body fat as fuel as, as opposed to glucose, blood sugar, it is uh, getting into ketosis as quickly as possible. Because what, what a lot of folks will do is say juice fast uh, or they'll just go full starvation and won't expedite the process of getting into ketosis. So they have three or four days where they're effectively eating muscle tissue. And that's being broken down into amino acids that the liver then converts to glucose through something called gluconeogenesis. So uh, I'm doing a lot of experimentation with this. Uh, Dom D'Agostino is the guy that I rely on. So people should definitely listen to that that podcast. As far as as how I felt, there, uh, I was able to... uh, work as much or as little as I wanted. I, I did light exercise and there were really only, I would say two days out of the nine where I was just a whiny little bitch who wasn't getting anything done. And it was a good thing that I, I, I set parameters for myself so that I wouldn't send off a bunch of really bitchy emails to people and create a mess for myself. So, right. uh, so that, yeah. yeah. So anyway, that was, so you- uh, yeah, I've done, I've done a handful of, of these fasts in the past, and I will tell you that you know I, I tried like any rookie does when you first get started with this stuff. I tried a juice fast as my first one, and yep. that was a horrible experience. Yeah, it's the worst. You're you're right. You don't get into ketosis. I had to like run to the bathroom. Uh, you probably know why. Uh, just because your gut just explodes into the toilet. Yeah, if you're and consuming it, that much fruit juice, you just get disaster pants all day. It's terrible. It was it was really bad. But then uh, I would say, you know, you were talking about a little bit too, and I remember Hugh Jackman um, had an interview on 2020 where they asked him how he gets so ripped to be to play the the role of Wolverine. 
And he said, well, The Rock actually gave me his secret. And this sounds really silly, but it was intermittent fasting. He said, I intermittent fast. He goes, I go 16 hours fast every single day when I'm shooting the movie, and then I eat for, for eight hours. And uh, he was, he, that's what he did. So I started trying that. I probably did intermittent fasting, I would say, um, I don't know, maybe two months out of last year. And it, it gets you shredded quick. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. Um, and it, and it is a nice little kick in the pants to get you into keto faster. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm excited to try the, one of the other things that I saw that I don't know if you've seen the, the study that came, came out here a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was about a month ago was this thing called mimic fasting. Have you heard of that? Yeah. The, the, uh, fast mimicking diet. I think that's, that's right. I want to say that's, uh, Longo's based on Longo's research. Why don't you explain for people? what that is. I have uh, some reservations about it, but uh, there are definitely people who are following this protocol. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's, there was a p- paper that came out about it that essentially, you know, they talk about some of the really big benefits and I'm not just talking like a flat stomach, but more of the stuff that Tim was talking about al- along the lines of, of anti-cancer and some other things kicking in as you get into the kind of longer duration fast, you know, so once you're day two, three and, and on, and so um, it's really difficult, though, as anyone will tell you when you do these really long fasts. So this, uh, the idea was that they could mimic fasting by serving you things like um, really lightweight broths and soups. So you are still consuming some calories, but they're, they're, it's not a ton. Um, and you have a couple of these little tiny kind of um, broth-based meals per day your body, your body still goes into the fasting state, but it's not as brutal as the traditional full-on just water fast. It's something like four to, I want to say it's less than 400 calories a day or something like something that. Something like that. That's right. That sounds um, the, now, I, I will say there is, well, there are some data, if you want to get technical about it, that it would seem to indicate that pure fasting still exceeds the benefits of low or severe caloric restriction in terms of lowering IGF-1 and so on. Now, one could then debate whether lowering IGF-1, in fact, extends longevity in the same way that you could argue about whether lowering homocysteine decreases inflammation. And there's, there's a lot of debate about both of those. But, but that's, yeah, so that, <laughs> that's the first thing on the list. I already knocked it off. I was going to do that in 2016, but I did it in 2000, towards the end of 2015, and I'll do it again. Um, one thing I'd love recommendations from for people listening is I'd, I'd like to create some short films. And what I realized is uh, I need to do more things just for the fuck of it. Uh, and for instance, uh, hiring people or paying creatives just to make cool shit without any profit motive whatsoever. So if I can find high endurance creatives to help make, for instance, short films, I eventually want to do some feature film stuff. And when I was chatting, I think it was with Robert Rodriguez, I got the idea of, or I did, maybe he gave me the idea of making a few short films. And I think Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen also said this so that I could go from start to finish in a micro sense, uh, from drafting up the screenplay, so to speak, uh, doing the storyboarding, working with a full team, director, et cetera. <clears throat> and uh, so I think that's something I'm going to do. Maybe make a, a couple of five to 10 minute short films. And uh, if anyone has any particular recommendations for that, uh, I am all ears. So please just hit us up on Twitter, uh, hashtag random show. Uh, while we're at it, Kevin, what's your Twitter handle? At Kevin Rose. And I am at 
T Ferris because I'm an idiot and didn't get Tim Ferris, but at T F E R R I S S. Uh, other things that I would love recommendations on. Uh, I've never been to Montreal and I've been dying to go to Montreal. So if people have recommendations for when to go, what to do, hashtag random show, let me know, Montreal. Uh, okay, so I'm, I'm focusing on body weight exercises and gymnastics training. Uh, there's a very interesting guy, uh, I think it's Chris Summers with Gymnastics Bodies, Gymnastic Bodies, which I follow on Instagram. And uh, I've pinged a couple of my buddies, like uh, Max Shank is another one who's very interesting to check out. And I want to focus on doing two moves. And you can Google these because it's, it's a bit of a hassle to visualize. Uh, a planche, you know what? Fuck it. I'll, I'll take a stab at describing it. So a planche push-up is where you're on you're flat on your hands or on your fingertips and your legs are spread. You're in a push-up position and your feet are off the ground. What that means is you have to lean forward so that your shoulders are way ahead of your hands. Uh, so I want to be, I want to get to the point where I can do a comfortable planche or planche push-up, and also something called a front lever, which is kind of almost the upside down version of a planche in a way, but you're hanging from a bar and your body is completely uh, parallel to the ground, like you're levitating. Uh, but of course you're connected through your arms to the bar. So people have recommendations for any particular exercises that have helped them with quantum leaps in progress with either of those, uh, hashtag random show. Let me know. Would love to hear that. I'm looking at the planned pushup right now. There's no way in hell you're going to pull this off. I, I am, <laughs> You're I'm way too optimistic. Big. I'm optimistic. It's like little tiny dudes doing this. Yeah, they tend to be a little small, but there are beefier dudes who do it. Uh, and I'm optimistic. So I'm going to, I'm going to give it a shot. I might have to like cut off my legs at the knees or, yeah. or lose a lot of, uh, quadzilla size in my legs, but I'm optimistic. So I'm, uh, working on that. It definitely does not help if you have a lot of extra weight in your legs to do either of those things. So is this one of your new year's resolutions or just something you want to do in general? Yeah, I would say it's a New Year's resolution. I want to get to those are two movements that I'd like to stick. I would also like to do uh, to be to get to the point where I can do a slow. I'm going to fuck up the terminology here. Sorry for the cursing, guys. Uh, I got criticized because some people listen to these with their with their kids. But alas, I'm from Long Island, I apologize. The uh, I'd like to be able to do a slow handstand from standing with legs together, uh, knees locked where I just slowly go down to palms on the floor, and then I guess I would be in a pike position, just go straight up to a handstand, and I can like lower my feet down, tap the toes, come back up. I'd like to get to that point as well. That sounds doable. Yeah. <laughs> it looks more doable than the planche, yes. Uh, which so is, I told you what I've been doing for my core strength, right? Did I, did I mention this to you? Uh, lots the of Pilates cases. thing? <laughs> I was gonna, uh, no, you didn't mention this. Nope. <laughs> so it's been three months of Pilates twice a week for me. Uh, <laughs> no, listen, you can laugh all you want. No, like, I like Pilates. I just... Uh, Hold on. Let yeah, me, I'm ready. Let me, so, <laughs> I hate you. you, go, you go, it's good you for go, your pelvic floor. Are you doing, are you doing kegels? <laughs> you, go to, you go to the gym and I walk by the Pilates studio and yes, it, it doesn't typically tend to be um, very many guys in there. It's, it's kind of like, you know, core strength and all the guys are out there hitting the iron and I get that. But... 
You know, I have always had a really crappy core. Like I just can barely and, – and for me as a guy, like I feel a, a lot of other guys are like this. Like it's like the one thing – I would say legs and kind of core are two things that typically get overlooked. You know, a lot of um, guys go to the gym. They hit upper body. They hit shoulders. They hit chest, you know. So I always had a really weak core and I knew that. So, you know, I started to have some kind of like back issues this last year. And so I was like, you know, now's the time to really get serious about my core and and I did what what anyone else would do is you do those leg lifts at the gym and then I'm just like well I'm not I'm really not getting the results this sucks I'm, I don't feel motivated it's the last thing I do I always kind of like do half the reps that I want to do and so um, you know I tried a Pilates class and I didn't try the group class I went to an instructor so I could get the full on experience and um, you know I found a kind of semi reasonable uh, instructor that uh, price wise and I, I go twice a week. And and it's been amazing. I would say that I can do things with my abs I never thought possible. And granted, they're still not showing dear to due to beer and pizza and things of that nature. But <laughs> underneath but underneath those underneath of hair, fat, you're shredded. It's like nine pack. <laughs> um, seriously though, uh, it, it's a lot of fun because Pilates is one of those things that if you have an instructor, um, there's so many exercises that it doesn't feel like you're doing the same thing every time. And so, you know, it's like something like 30 different moves. And so she's constantly changing it up, having me do different things. She started me right at the, um, at the, at the correct pace and that I wasn't killing myself. But at the end of every session, I'm definitely sweating and I, I just feel stronger. So it's, it's, uh, it's been a fun practice for me to add in, into my year, uh, the tail end of last year. I think Pilates, uh, sort of strict technical classical Pilates is is fantastic i mean it's very similar in a lot of ways to gymnastics training actually uh and with with a tremendous amount of focus on uh pelvic tilt and becoming comfortable in different positions and understanding pelvic tilt and then something called the transverse abdominis so people can think of that as a corset muscle that sort of runs horizontally across this is simplified obviously but across your abdomen and if you cough or laugh really hard and you get sore in the midsection that's a transverse abdominus and when people have really lax or weak transverse abdominus you notice a lot of things and if they have tight hip flexors because they for for a whole host of reasons like not sitting enough not stretching hip flexors not having uh, uh strong muscles around the pelvis you see people who are have low body fat but look fat when they're just standing there in clothing because they're they have the hips kind of pouring forward and that makes their gut stick out and then they're, they they uh, they they have a protruding belly because they have weak transverse abdominis so mm. the the Pilates is great for that and I I get asked a lot by women for instance you know what should I do for exercise I want to look like this person look like that person and they point out very athletic. Uh, say dancers or uh, celebrities, et cetera, and uh, inevitably, if if the, if they want to keep it simple, and, and this could apply for guys too, but this I, I do get this question specifically from women a lot. It's Pilates and two-handed kettlebell swings, and if you do Pilates and uh, very classical, technical, unforgiving Pilates and kettlebell swings, and let's just say you did that twice a week, right? Like Monday. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Monday and Friday, you did the kettlebell swings. Wednesday, you do the Pilates or vice versa. Uh, and you could alternate weeks even. So it'd be like Pilates Monday, kettlebell Wednesday, Pilates Friday, kettlebells Monday, that way. Uh, 
you'd be you, you can get in fantastic, incredible shape. And all, all you would need to do is moderate carbohydrate consumption with something like slow carb, um, or paleo or whatever, uh, which I still think is for a lot of people more sustainable than intermittent fasting. I did light up the internet accidentally, uh, did a little bit of internet arson uh, inadvertently because I put up a a post on Facebook and Twitter saying most people who do inter- intermittent fasting are just getting smaller, not leaner, meaning they're losing muscle mass. And that was based on data from a friend of mine who runs a DEXA scan facility, which gives you a very good idea of exactly what's happening with your body composition, body fat, and muscle. And she said most of the, a lot of the guys, uh, the vast majority, and they are guys they tend to be, who come in and do an experiment with intermittent fasting lose a lot of muscle mass. Uh, so they lose weight. They're looking at the scale. They think they're doing a good job. And in fact, they're, they're, they're backsliding because their body fat percentage is going up. And uh, the internet freaked out about that. But I think ultimately, when you're looking at resolutions or making changes in the new year, uh, the the good plan that you'll follow is better than the perfect plan you're going to quit in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so there you have it. Um, another thing that I would like feedback on from people uh, is I'm considering doing live podcasts and traveling around the country. I'll probably do some tests in LA maybe first, uh, then San Francisco and New York. And then I'm thinking about hitting a bunch of uh, lesser known or lesser traveled places like hitting up like Montana and going on a road trip and actually going around the country. What are your thoughts on that? You've done, you've done more live, live shows than I have. I've certainly done a lot of live shows, uh, back in the day with, uh, Dignation. Um, you know, I think that it really comes down to when you say live, do you mean audience or no audience? I mean audience. Yeah. I oh, mean, you mean audience? I mean actually meeting people. Yeah. And just traveling around the country. Now, I would obviously test this first in a few places where I'm comfortable uh, and know I can fill seats like LA, SF, New York. But then I'd be doing live audience. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's chaotic. It's just you have to obviously, I, I think that if you would hire a person or two to help out, to help manage some of the chaos, um, and then certainly very directional microphones <laughs> so that you don't pick up the entire crowd. <laughs> Uh, but you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's good to kind of vibe off of the, the audience and, and, you know, feel the energy when they laugh at certain things that you're talking about or, you know, and you can always take live questions or things like that. So it's, why not? Why not experiment? Do it. Yeah. I think I'll do in, uh, I think I'm going to do it in LA first in January or February. So that's coming up soon. So keep an eye out folks. Uh, if you have any thoughts, let me know. If you have any thoughts on venues for like 500 to 2,000 people, um, and Kevin, is there a sweet spot? Is there a sweet spot of like audience size for you? Yeah, I mean, I've always enjoyed the slightly more intimate shows. When you get going into the kind of bigger venues, um, you typically one they ask you for more money and they charge. Whereas you can go and find you know nice bars with a small stage that say, hey, if you're going to fill this up with people, I'll just give you the space for free. Yep. So, um, you know, that's, uh, like beach chalet out, uh, in San Francisco was one of my favorite spots. And we used to do shows out there and you just talk chalet? Man, yeah, it's right up by the beach by, uh, ocean beach. Oh, cool. And they, they have, you know, they can hold probably 500 people and I've just picked a slow night, you know, do it on a Monday or Tuesday night or something. And they'll just give you the space. They set up speakers for us and it was just, uh, you know, completely free because they knew they would sell more beer. So, right. Cool. So you mentioned an app to me that 
you were finding useful. I don't know if, if you want to hold that back for later, but no, that I'd, just, I'd like to hear great. more about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so along with New Year's resolutions comes uh, the need to track all this stuff, right? So for, you and I are both very uh, kind of quantified people. And, you know, I um, last year I tracked uh, my alcohol consumption in a Google spreadsheet, um, <laughs> which was great. Every single day I would color code it. I, I wrote a little script so that based on what I would type in, it would change it either green, orange, or red. And, and, um, and just to be clear for folks, he was trying to beat 30 drinks a week. That was that was green. Yes, I was trying to go for at least fifty to sixty drinks per week. <laughs> no, it was uh, it was really eye opening because um, I think that you know you tend to just think like oh I, I got this event tonight no big deal let me go have three drinks oh there's an event two nights from now yeah oh, my wife wants to crack a bottle open and you don't realize uh, not only how many drinks you're having but just the the sheer amount of calories you're putting into your body in consuming all this alcohol. So uh, it was eye-opening for me and certainly, um, but it wasn't something that was easy to do uh, on the go. And especially when you start layering in other things like, um, so I'll, I'll give you, why don't we do this? I'll, I'll give you my quick little, you know, 30 second rundown of all the stuff that I'm trying to track. The name of the app that I'm using that I found is called way of life. And I think by far it is the best kind of habit tracking app out there. It's really simple to set up. It, it creates beautiful charts and graphs um, out of the data you say yes, no, or I, I skipped it. Um, you can set up things that are also negative. So, for example, uh, one of the things I have is, um, did I drink over three drinks? Um, so if I say yes to that, it'll actually turn it uh, red instead of green. So I'll, I'll give you my quick little list. Um, number one, well, these aren't in any specific order, but um, watch a TED Talk every day. That's going to be easy. I, I subscribe to the TED um, video podcast on iTunes, and I'm going to watch one every single day for the entire year. Um, sauna, three times a week. I want to yep. get serious about, um, about heat. And uh, so, you know, I've already done three times this week. I'm going to skip today, but I'm going to go tomorrow. Um, I alternate uh, cold bath and sauna. I found a great place in New York, the Turkish and Russian baths. Um, and the, the cold is, is, is extremely cold and I go in there and I can talk about the Wim Hof method later and what I'm doing to stay in there for long periods of time. Uh, the third one is two or less drinks. So I'm trying every single day to consume two or less drinks. Um, then I'm tracking my Pilates. I'm also tracking meditation. I'm tracking weightlifting, trying to do that three times per week. I'm tracking no alcohol. So those are days I take entirely off drinking. I want to know how many days I'm doing that per month. And you can see month over month progress with this app. It's wonderful. Um, tracking no sugar, uh, tracking tea consumption. So out of the last seven days, I've had tea four days. Um, no coffee. I am trying to just do tea only for a few days. Coffee has been a crutch me, uh, for me for a very long time. So I'm trying to just slowly wean myself. I don't inherently think that coffee is bad for you. They, there's a little bit of data on if you drink more than two cups, it can increase your homocysteine levels, but um, which I have elevated, but that could be because I have that M motherfucker gene. You know what I'm talking about, the MTHR? MTHFR gene, yep. Or yeah, so that could be why. Level, yep. um, and then also slow carb. I'm, I'm, I'm living the Tim Ferriss lifestyle. <laughs> living the Vita Ferriss. <laughs> when, I, when I say slow carb, though, I, I, I tend to mean a little bit more on the keto side. Uh, that's all, Obviously, that's also slow carbish. I do a... Uh, kind of modified keto, keto that is a lot more veggie uh, forward. So um, <laughs> veggie forward <laughs> sounds like a wine. Mmm, broccoli on the tongue. <laughs> exactly. Um, so that's that's all everything I'm tracking. And this app is is phenomenal. That is a lot to track, man. Are you not worried that you're going to flame out because of too many variables? It well, seems I mean, like you'd spend a lot of your time with inputting data. 
So uh, the beautiful thing about this app is it's not about typing a ton of notes. Yes, there's a section for that, but it's simply yes or no questions. Like, did you have alcohol today? And you tap yes or no, and then it goes on to the next one. And it's all done in a straight, like a vertical list of things. So you don't have to like view any additional screens. I mean, seriously, um, it sends me a text every night at 10 PM. Cause I set that up in the app and then I go in there and it takes me all of, I'd say 30 seconds to put in input all the data. Um, and I'm going to do it all. And then it allows you, and this is the fun thing. Um, every, uh, uh, first of the month. So come February 1st, I'm going to tweet out my results from last month. That's smart. So it, it creates a little tiny spreadsheet for you that you can tweet out like a little tiny graphic. That's smart. so it's, yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. If you force yourself to do that, although now people know. So if, if you get to the second of the month, anybody listening and you remember, and you see that Kevin hasn't put out his numbers, you Please should, remind you me. Remind him on Twitter. So I wanted to underscore uh, something here about resolutions, goals in general, behavior change, and that is, if it's not in the calendar, and if you don't have some type of consequence or stakes, you're not going to do it. Uh, so there's, if if you're saying, for instance, I've seen a number of uh, New Year's resolutions lists online from fans, and they often say. Uh, I want to meditate more. I want to drink less alcohol. And that's not, not only is that not specific enough, you want to make it measurable. You want to have some type of quantified goal. Uh, but there's no reason, there's no punishment or real reward for not following that behavior, if that makes sense. So two things, get it in the calendar, right? So if you say meditate more, and let's say you decide that means I'm going to meditate three times a week for one minute in the morning or five minutes in the morning or before bed, put it in the calendar or it'll get crowded out. And second is have either an accountability partner or put together a betting pool with a bunch of friends. Um, and I talk about this a lot in the, uh, the four hour chef because it's about accelerated learning. So I will, if, if uh, I'm going to put up an excerpt from that chapter for free for people to check out, which is just, I'll put it at fourhourworkweek.com forward slash stakes like uh, tent steak, S-T-A-K-E-S. So fourhourworkweek.com forward slash stakes, and I'll put that up. But you need to have some type of reward or punishment, and punishment generally beats out reward. I know that sounds funny, but the 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 prospect of losing, say, $100 in a betting pool will motivate you more than the possibility of winning $100. And this has been very well researched. Uh, or some type of public embarrassment uh, works very well also. Or being humiliated because you didn't live up to your side of the bargain. Like if Kevin doesn't put out his numbers and then people give him a bunch of shit on February 2nd or March 2nd, uh, that will be a motivator for Kevin. Oh, it's a huge motivator. Like I, I'm going to expose all of my drink data and everything else uh, directly online. So I'm excited for that. It, it keeps me motivated. The other thing too, I'll add on top of that, is I was reading a post, and I believe it was a study that was done that talks about when you're trying to form a new habit, try combining it with something you enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Have you heard this at all? So for example, um, if you're going to the gym and getting on the treadmill for the first time, bring your favorite new series, Archer, or whatever it may be, and put it on your iPad and watch that while you're working out, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're doing something that you're enjoying. And so for me, I get through serious treadmill sessions um, at insane inclines. Granted, I'm I'm kind of walking, but I can play like two degrees, uh, two to three degrees. Oh yeah, right. I'm talking like <laughs> eight, eight plus degrees, um, but really slow, and I'm just drenched in sweat. But I'm playing a tower defense game that I love. 
you know, and so that's yeah. my time to game, but also get my exercise. So, you know, if you're going to meditate, uh, do a shot of whiskey before you, no, I'm just, <laughs> just kidding. Don't combine like that. But, oh, actually one thing I do do, if I can make it on a streak for three days in a row uh, with no alcohol at all, I go to the kava bar and I, I have a full <laughs> bowl of kava. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. No, I know you've told me, you've texted me. I don't know enough about kava to know whether it's better or worse for you than going without alcohol for <laughs> three days straight. But- so let me let me give everyone a 30-second rundown on this. Basically, there is um a herb called kava. They I mean you can go to Whole Foods or any grocery store almost and buy it in kind of tea form. And um in actually there's one uh yogi tea makes one on Amazon that has five star reviews, uh I guess almost a solid five stars with um like five thousand reviews. So uh use a couple of those tea bags, uh soak it for 15 minutes, and then you just drink it like tea. And it puts you in a very relaxed state. So it's almost like you've had like a couple glasses of champagne, but without drinking. So they actually have bars <laughs> that are, are, are popping up um, over New York that don't serve alcohol. They just serve kava. And you go in and they give you a bowl uh, full of kava. It tastes like dirt. And you just like kind of down it. And then within 15, 20 minutes, you just feel like sinking into your chair and just kind of you're totally mellowed out. So um, get it while it's legal. <laughs> uh, side note for folks smoking like a hookah pipe is not uh risk-free it's actually you you can down the equivalent of uh of a pack of cigarettes very easily sitting at a hookah bar so that is yeah. that is not without its risks uh the speaking of chilling out i want to recommend that people consider picking up the practice of meditation uh because it is a very uh, cumulatively powerful habit to begin. It doesn't have to be super woo-woo or new agey. I was looking at uh, Twitter yesterday, actually, and we both have a friend, Bobby Goodlatte. Is it Goodlatte? Is that how you say his last name? It's just Goodlatte. Jesus Christ. Goodlatte? I've never really known because I always hear his first name. But uh, resolutions for 2016, number one, stick to Tim Ferriss's excellent slow-carb diet for as long as I can bear. He's used it before, so it's not that hard. Uh, number two, use headspace or meditate regularly. So you can, there are a couple of different approaches you could take for getting started with meditation. One of them was recommended to be my Kamal Ravikant, uh, a very, very smart uh, and good friend of mine. And it was very simple. Choose a song you like. So this actually comes back to your you know, gaming while you're on the treadmill, right? So people don't want to meditate, but pick a song that puts you in a good mood. For me, it was, I'm going to party like it's 1999 by Prince. <laughs> Cause it's hard to take yourself too seriously or be in a bad mood with that song. And you're simply going to sit on a cushion or on a couch with your back against the back of the couch or the wall. And you're just going to, you're just going to focus on your breathing to the extent possible for one song. That's all you're going to do. And you just get into the habit of doing that and you do it just in the morning, once in the morning, and it's whatever it is, three minutes long. Uh, if you want to go a little bit further, and even people who meditate regularly without any tools uh, use, for instance, Headspace, right? And you used Headspace, didn't you? Yes, for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm actually doing Wim Hof's meditation stuff now, but um, yeah, I love Headspace. I was just on the phone with my sister last night. She was looking to get into meditation. And the first thing I do is always recommend Headspace. They had this... Um, 10 days for 10 minutes a day. It's called the Take 10 Challenge. If you, if you get through those 10 days, you'll be sold. It's, it's amazing. And, um, and, and to that point, just broadly speaking, I, I, one of the things that I do when I review 
my, say, calendar for the year and I make my list of the things that have had the greatest uh, positive and negative emotional impacts over the year and I kind of look at them as categories, usually what you end up with is a set of challenges or things you'd like to change in the following year. And one of the questions that I've tried to start asking is, what if it were easy? What would that look like? Right. So with like meditation, people feel on some level or working out. Right. So even the term working out is, uh, I think, a disservice to a lot of people because they go to the gym and they want to push themselves as hard as possible after doing, say, no exercise for six months. And so they try to go to the gym for an hour a day for five days. They miss one of those days and they feel like a failure and then they quit. Right. It's like, well, you're you're setting the bar too high. What would it look like if it were easy? Right. One set of kettlebell swings twice a week. Start there or getting on the treadmill for five minutes, right? Meditating for three minutes. Uh, that, because ultimately, it doesn't matter how effective something is, it doesn't matter how efficient something is, if you don't adhere to it, it doesn't work. Uh, so for... Another, another great one is just 10,000 steps a day with a Fitbit. You know, if you're, yeah. really, if you're really out of shape and you're just looking to, you know, uh, you can actually lose weight that way. I know a bunch of people that have set these 10,000 step a day goals um, and, and just use a Fitbit to track it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think that it's it's important to realize, and I remember Oprah Winfrey said this at some point. She said, I always felt like if I weren't stressed out, I wasn't trying hard enough. And she doesn't feel that way anymore. And I've realized, especially after conversations with guys like Derek Sivers, you know, he has this story about biking, going for this bike circuit, and I think it was Santa Monica. And he would like huff and puff and try to break his time record every day. And it was 43 minutes. He could never break 43 minutes. It was this, this long, like 10 mile track or whatever. I'm making up the distance, but something like that. And then one day he's like, you know what? I'm bummed out. You know, he wanted, he, he started wanting to skip the ride because it was just too intense and wasn't enjoyable. And he's like, I'm just going to kind of cruise and enjoy myself this time. And he took the same route and he came back and it was 45 minutes <laughs> instead of 43. And he's Amazing. like, what? He's like all that discomfort, all of that, like grunting and groaning and, just feeling miserable. And the, the only gain was like two minutes, uh, you know, at a 45, uh, that was the only improvement. And I feel like for a lot of the things that we do, whether that's managing investment or exercise or, uh, you know, I have a list here, right? I, I actually did this exercise a couple of days ago where it's like, okay, podcast excerpts, audiobooks, book publication, body weight training, investing, um, getting entertainment guests on the podcast, crowdfunding, dog training, waking up early. Like, what if it were easy? What would that look like? And actually writing it out. Um, and it's incredible how many problems you can solve just by not creating problems for yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> in complexity. But um, what type of health goals do you have for 2016? Any particular health goals or changes? Well, I think that, you know, in, in listening to um, and getting into Rhonda Patrick, Dr. Uh, Rhonda Patrick's podcast, the role of micronutrients in our overall health is just fascinating to me. And, you know, I had always been one of these guys that, you know, goes, grabs a couple slices of pizza. And yes, Tim, I did have some yesterday, but that was my last day. Um, you say it, that every time. No, I'm serious. Um, I, I'll, it was my cheat day. It was my cheat day. Too. I never do this. Oh my god, I no, never do I'm, this. What I'm saying is, I would always, in my head, I would rationalize it, saying, "Well, I'm taking my multivitamin," and and that just doesn't get the full spectrum. It doesn't really get what you need. And so, in watching her podcast and understanding a little bit more about what we need to consume to be healthy, I've really upped my uh, vegetable intake. So I'm doing a whole wide spectrum, wide range of colors. 
um, in my vegetables and just having one, one massive salad per day. And I've been doing that for a couple months now. And I, I certainly feel a lot better. And my skin actually even looks better too. It's, it's healthier. You look pregnant. You have that glow. I have that glow about me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh... So do I. It's kind of an oily sheen. I've been eating sardines every morning, having a can of sardines, the Wild Planet sardines uh, that I've talked about before. And I, I will just tell people, so the, the, the way that I use it, and I, I think I've mentioned this once before, though, is I'm traveling. My dog doesn't like to eat dry kibble. Yours doesn't either. No. And, and, uh, but if I bring the origin, is the type of kibble that I brought... I don't use the fowl for reasons I can explain another time, but I think it's the red, uh, the red label. <laughs> Sounds like Johnny Walker. Uh, origin is that I'll I will open the can of sardines and then pour the oil on top of the kibble and then eat oh, the sardines awesome. myself. So the so Molly, my dog, is getting the olive oil and the sardine juice, and uh, she was having some some dry skin issues, like brittle hair issues, and I couldn't pinpoint the issue. Within three days of starting to add the sardine oil, just one meal a day, and I'm feeding her twice a day, uh, perfect coat, skin, everything completely fixed after three days. And um, you have to assume on some level, uh, being mammals as we are, that there's some type of, of, of corresponding effect in humans. Um, Absolutely. I wanted to mention a book that... I recently read that people might want to check out, uh, and I picked it up. I, I believe it was mentioned and recommended to me by one of the podcast guests I've had, I've had on because it was on this running list of books to, to pick up, and it's called Happy Money, The Science of Happier Spending. And the authors are Elizabeth Dunn and Michael Norton. So let me just, let me just read the description here. Uh, Two professors combine their fascinating cutting-edge research in behavioral science to explain how money can buy happiness if you follow core uh, five core principles of smart spending. Now, there are a couple of caveats here. Uh, the first is that this is not a perfect book. There are very few perfect books out there. I think that one of the uh, things that you should always keep in mind when you're reading any type of pop science book is asking yourself, whenever they say, whenever they have an assertion, asking yourself, is this, is this causation or could it just be correlation? And, and um, for those of you who have the four-hour body, there's a, an appendix on uh, good science, bad science, and spotting the difference. And that's a worthwhile chapter to read. But the, the example I'll give, and you see this in the media all the time, where people will say something like, people who practice yoga have lower blood pressure. Uh, a new study finds, and then they continue to say, therefore, you should start doing yoga, and it, it only takes 10 minutes uh, a session three times a week, right? But if you were to actually dig into the data and you ask yourself, well, wait a second, is it causation? Is the yoga actually causing the blood pressure, or could it just be correlation, meaning they're just happening at the same time? So for instance, maybe they're comparing the blood pressure of people in, like, uh, I don't know, a, a hospital in the Bronx, I'm just making this up, like a sedentary population. And then they're checking the blood pressure of people in the West Village who are going to yoga class. And it's like, well, okay. <laughs> right. And they're also eating wild salmon several times per weekend. Yeah, ex eating salads. And exactly. Also <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, what, like there's, one, the, the, there's one group eating at like Mickey D's and fast food and the other people are eating at Whole Foods. It's like, okay, well, that could be an issue that's confounding everything. And in this book, there are quite a few places where I think that they they uh, make arguments of causation where it's, it's probably correlation. However, that having been said, 
there are uh, principles and also stories that illustrate the principles, like paying for things in advance. Like I mentioned, uh, committing to this holiday Christmas trip with my family, you know, six months plus in advance, right? So you can benefit from the anticipation. So prepaying for certain types of experiences as opposed to possessions. And they walk through what types of experiences tend to give the greatest emotional and psychological ROI. Uh, and they talk about <clears throat> different types of behavioral psychological studies uh, that someone like, say, Daniel Gilbert might talk about, stumbling upon happiness, and how you can use them to your advantage. So I, I, and it's not only for people with a ton of disposable income. One could argue that the less income you make, the more important this becomes because you have fewer uh, absolute number of dollars to spend at, at liberty, as it were, and the, the sort of the pain of misspending is, is even greater. So uh, I, I found this book very useful for this particular point in time, uh, meaning New Year's, New Year's resolutions, because you can then say, take these, que- these different questions that they arm you with and uh, go through your credit card statement and actually uh, make categories of things that you want to start to eliminate, minimize, or add in. Um, and I found that to be just a very useful exercise because there, there's tons of information out there about how to invest your money. But every time you make a purchase, you are investing in some respect, right? You're trading money, this wampum for an experience or a possession that you think is going to give you something. And, uh, it's very fast read. Uh, it's, it's also available on audio. Uh, I got it on audible by the way. I just downloaded it. Yeah. And it says 226 pages, but most, I'd say the last 70 pages are, uh, notes and references and whatnot. So it's really only about 150 pages long. You could read it in uh, in a day or two. It's a, it's a, it's a very, very fast read. So I, th- I thought I would recommend uh, that one as well. Any favorite books uh, from 2015 that you would recommend people check out? Oh, gosh. I'd have to go back and look at my list. I've got it all uh, on Audible. But um, oh, one thing why, why before I forget, and, and this is the random show, so we're allowed to jump around a little bit. Um, you were mentioning canned fish just yes. a few minutes ago. So you next time you're in town, I want to take you to a place in New York. It's called Maiden Lane, and it is unbelievable. Basically, what they've done is they've created a wine bar that serves nothing but extremely high-end canned fish, and they have them stacked on the wall. And so you can walk over there and pick out what canned fish you want, and they pair a wine with it and give you cheese with it, and it is phenomenal. Really? I go over there, and I get cod livers, um, which sound disgusting, but are obviously really nutritious for you. And I have cod liver with some cheese and a really dry white wine, and it's just like a fun place to hang out. <laughs> is that is that after your Pilates or before your Pilates? <laughs> F you, dude. <laughs> I know you would love it. What's funny is like you act all tough here, but if I keep it down, you'd be like, mm, cod liver, I love this. Am Are I you kidding? Man? Uh, no, totally. I'd wear my like, I'm, I'm trying to decide what type of turtleneck and uh, skinny jeans I'd bring. <laughs> I'd be down, man. I'm, I'm totally down for the, uh, the canned, the canned fish. It's easy to travel with also. So if you go to a, a location, and a lot of tropical places are like this, uh, I shouldn't say tropical, I should say island cultures have very mediocre food because aside from the fish, they have to bring everything in and it's very expensive. They're often very uh, onerous uh, in excise and import taxes. So the food quality tends to be pretty low uh, uh, and sort of in a best case scenario, highway robbery. So traveling with 
cans of sardines. I thought it would be difficult and uh, maybe I'm just an outlier, but made it through with no problem whatsoever. Uh, have you read, oh. ra- have you read radical acceptance? Yes. What do yes. you think? What do you think? Cause I, Daria also, I think Daria was actually one of the first people to recommend it to me by Tara Brock. This is, yeah, the- I'm looking here right now. I'm, I'm looking at audible. I got, uh, about, Oh, you know what? I didn't read it. I ended up watching her Ted talk. <laughs> that's the danger of ted talks is you're like much the same thing. Ah, let me just let me just <laughs> yeah. so i i think the book is very worth reading tara was on the on the uh, on the podcast she's a buddhist teacher and i'm very skeptical always of people who are self-described uh teachers of different faiths or uh aspects of spirituality because there's a lot of nonsense out there tara is is absolutely the real deal her dharma talks are are incredible but this book radical acceptance was recommended to me not only by daria who is about as non-woo-woo as you can get i mean phd in neuroscience uh but uh, at least one or two other scientists recommended it to me which I, i thought was very unusual for a book in this genre and it's a it's in effect about how to stop beating the shit out of yourself or carrying around anger and resentment. It's very, very good. And the I'm just going to read a couple of highlights. So I have, I'm looking at my Kindle highlights uh, on laptop, and I have 68 highlighted passages, uh, but here are just a few. So one of the lines, and I tend to highlight things that either I want to remember or review, or lines that have nice turns of phrase and wording. But here we go. So here it is. I knew I would never treat a friend the way I treated myself without mercy or kindness, right? So one of my resolutions that I'm going to then put into sort of a measurable uh, uh, form that I can assess somehow is to treat myself the way I would treat a very close friend. And because I do think that I have a habit to really kind of smash my head against a wall and to be very unforgiving to myself. Um, the let me find another one you know as a friend of mine put it and i know kevin you can uh, you can attest to the fact that there are a lot of uh successful and unsuccessful but very successful people in silicon valley who could uh identify with this so as a friend of mine put it quote feeling that something is wrong with me is the invisible and toxic gas i'm always breathing end quote now and i I just think that this uh this book is is extremely helpful for walking people through the thought processes and making subconscious judgments conscious so that they can uh, so that they can deal with them so that they can somehow fix them. Um, so let me find one more. Okay, so this is uh, I'll give one more example here. Sorry, guys, I'm scrolling through. So this is this is also a, this is a story about a tiger that was in captivity and in a zoo named Mohini that was rescued from a uh, sort of an animal uh, sanctuary. And Mohini had been confined to, I think it was a 10 by 10 foot cage, just a concrete with a concrete floor for like five or 10 years. Uh, So they, they finally released her into this big pasture with excitement and anticipation. They released Mohini into her new and expansive environment, but it was too late. The tiger immediately sought refuge in a corner of the compound where she lived for the remainder of her life. She paced and paced in that corner until an area 12 by 12 feet was worn bare of grass. Perhaps the biggest tragedy in our lives is that freedom is possible, yet we can pass our years trapped in the same old patterns, right? So uh, this is where the review of the 2015... Okay, we're back after a Bahamian internet connectivity interruption. Uh, power's been going out intermittently for the last three days across the entire island. So... 
the story wasn't that interesting. So I will leave it where it got cut off and we'll continue. Mr. Rose, over to you. Yes. So I, I just have one last thing to say. Um, <laughs> I, you asked me about book recommendations earlier, and I, I couldn't recall it right off the top of my head, but I pulled up my Audible account. Shit. I lost you, buddy. Can you hear me? I can hear you, yes. Okay. You're back. We'll okay. Forge ahead. Maybe we should just call it a show. <laughs> I'd say uh, we're getting close to that. We're point. getting close. Okay, yeah. so the last thing I want to say was just my book recommendation that I have uh, for the episode. It's called The Good Gut. Have you heard of it? No. Is it like wheat belly? No, no. This is all about um, gut bacteria huh? and how they cool. influence your overall health. So this is um, a pair of scientists that uh, wrote this book that um, actually Rhonda had on her podcast as well. Um, really fascinating stuff about how gut bacteria um, influences health, how animals bring in healthy bacteria. So actually having a, a dog could potentially be a good thing for you. Um, so, you know, letting them lick you on the mouth is not uh, that yeah. horrible. It's a good thing I make out with my dog so much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but there's uh, really interesting data around C-sections and how not passing through the vaginal canal could potentially uh, harm the baby and that they're not getting a lot of their mother's um, bacteria and they're actually getting a lot of the bacteria from the nurse's hands, hmm. which is really um, uh, not a great way to set the stage for for um, for your bacteria when you're born. So um, it's it's all it's really data dense, uh, packed with good information, and it cites uh, cites a bunch of studies. Um, I just found it fascinating because I've always had a weak stomach and I recently started supplementing with probiotics. Um, uh, the VSL three that Rhonda recommends. Yeah, VSL three uh, is good stuff, and it's been and it's been a, a world of difference. So, highly recommend the book. Uh, it gets a little technical. If you don't know if you'll like it, watch uh, Rhonda Patrick's podcast first. Um, but yeah, it was eye opening for me. Cool. I will. My last share will be just a couple of quotes that I've been revisiting because I think they all have applications to my life in 2016, and I will share some of them. So the first is from Henry Ford. Here's the quote. Nothing is particularly hard if you divide it into small jobs. So really breaking things down into, to use GTD parlance, the next physical action. All right. The uh, next is from George S. Patton Jr., U.S. Army General. A good plan violently executed now is better than a perfect plan next week. That's another one that I think will apply to my life a lot in January specifically, trying to sort of ready, fire, aim in effect. Next is Charles Bukowski, controversial but popular writer. Unless it comes unasked out of your heart and your mind and your mouth and your gut, don't do it. And I think this applies to me that's as far as... That's a great one. That's I love good, that. Yeah, it, that applies to me as far as writing. People have asked me, so if you hear something crunching in the background, that's my dog eating a bull pizzle. Otherwise, yeah, no. Toaster's also running around because <laughs> Dari just got home. So he's like, you hear his leash and collar. Uh, but that's okay. Bull pizzle aside, which is just bull penis for those people wondering. Um, and you actually consume that as well, which is odd. But it's- yeah, you know, I, I, I do. Uh, if, if I don't have jerky on hand, bull pizzle. <laughs> bull, bull penis. Will do. Uh, this, this applies to me because I get asked a lot are you working on a new book? And for me, I, I don't choose to write a book and then write a book. Uh, I write a book because I have to get it out of my head. Like it gets to a point where there's such an incessant obsession with something that if I don't get it out of my head, it's unhealthy. And that's when I write a book when I can no longer 
keep it inside of me. Uh, so there it goes. That's the Bukowski. Uh, next is, and I'm sure somebody who's listening can give the original here, but this is actually a quote from Jennifer Aniston, but she's quoting someone else. She says, somebody once said, quote, everything you want in the world is just right outside of your comfort zone, end quote. And I thought that was also very appropriate to a bunch of decisions that I'm nervous about making in the next few months that I, sh- awesome. that I shouldn't be nervous. Now, these are great to start the new year. I love stuff like this. Very uh, inspirational. Uh, James Cameron is next, who has not only been an incredible filmmaker, but has uh, really been a groundbreaking technologist in uh, the filmmaking world and outside of film. Uh, so Avatar, Terminator, etc. Uh, and some of his mistakes, uh, actually, like Abyss. So the Abyss was a failure commercially, but he, they developed the technology that was then used in Terminator 2. So, quote, mm. if, if you set your goals ridiculously high and it's a failure, you will fail above everyone else's success. I thought that was a good one. Can you hear me, Kevin? God damn it. I'm going to finish without Kevin. Fuck it. And then I'm going to call him back. So we're back again. Thought this was going to be easy, relaxed, but now I'm going to have to... Next time, three quotes instead of ten. Yeah, now I'm going to have to edit this goddamn thing. Uh, <laughs> so uh, just just a few more because I'm going to push it. So Bruce Willis, oh, I think geez. we... No, no, because I want to see if just, I can... If I drop, just finish without me. Yeah, yeah. well, I almost did. Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Keep exa- going. yeah, exactly. So the next is Ray Bradbury, 256. I keep these paginated. And um, here it is. Don't worry about things. Don't push. Just do your work and you'll survive. The most important thing is to have a ball, to be joyful, to be loving, and to be explosive. Out of that comes everything and you grow. So, and to be explosive was the reason I included that. Uh, I think that massive action, not action, is often a difference of degree that makes all the difference. Uh, Two more and then we're done. 283. Uh, Kurt Vonnegut Jr., one of my favorite writers of all time. I want to stay as close to the edge as I can without going over. Out on the edge, you see all kinds of things you can't see from the center. So that's uh, similar to what I've talked about before, sort of the, uh, the extremes informing the mean, but not vice versa. And the last one is uh, a philosopher named Daniel Dennett. The chief trick to making good mistakes is not to hide them, especially not from yourself. That's it. So become a documentarian of your own life, keep track of those mistakes and share them so you can at least help someone else. But by showcasing your mistakes and analyzing them, I think that's how you very often avoid repeating them. So that's it, man. That's all I got. Love it. Good stuff. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to everyone out there. And uh, we'll see you again soon on a random show. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.